Well, as you've already heard, we're beginning our series. Uh, we're calling it our re-series, which is a quite uh, um, odd name. But, you know, the word re is a prefix or re is a prefix in the composition of words in the English language that means to return or to repeat, to return or to repeat. And, uh, and the Bible uses several of these words with re at the beginning of them to, um, to encourage us and to remind us of the nature and the character of God. You know, like revive, refresh, renew, redeem, restore. Doesn't that sound good? You want me to say it again? I mean, doesn't that, doesn't that your soul like these words? Refresh, renew, restore, redeem. These are biblical words. And these words reminds us that God is able to repeat and return us to a place of favor and blessing in 2015. Amen? So as we begin this new year, I want to remind you that regardless of where you are, what you've been through in 2014, I want to encourage you today, regardless of your circumstances, you need to know that God can repeat or return you to a place of favor and blessing. Amen? Come on, y'all receiving that today? That regardless of what's happened, regardless of water under the bridge, our God is a God of renewal. Amen. He's a God of refreshing. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these words, these re-words that will hopefully strengthen our faith and encourage us as we begin this brand new year. Now, the first of the re-words that we're going to look at today is, is revive. Revive. Now, revive. God is a God who revives. Now, that might not mean much to you, but God is a God who is able to bring back to life that which is dead. Amen. Isaiah or Psalm 138 verse 7 says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. God is a God who revives. You will revive me, the psalmist said. What does that mean? It means to make alive, or to cause to live again. You know, whenever I think of revive, I think about those paddles that the medical, uh, the medical profession uses. You know, when somebody flatlines, they paddle them. And whenever they paddle them, there's a jolt of electricity that comes into them. And sometimes their heart might have stopped, but they get, they get revived. Amen. Come on. How many of you feel like you need God to put his paddles on you today? Amen. Come on. How many of you feel like you need a jolt of God's spirit in your life today? Why do we need to hear about God's ability to, to revive us? Well, because sometimes without knowing it, we can be dying on the inside while outwardly it seems like we're fully alive. On the outside, it looks like we're fine. On outwardly, it may seem like everything is just great, but on the inside, we're dying. I mean, we could put on nice clothes, nice sweaters, shoes. We can, you know, brush our teeth, comb our hair, you know. And it looks like just showing up at church, everything is cool. We're full of life. When the reality is, on the inside, we're dying. Have you ever been there? Don't lie in church. You ever been there? That's better. Amen. But you know, this is what happened to the church in Sardis in Revelations chapter three and verse one. God's writing a message to the church through John. 
And he says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. The angel was actually the pastor. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stores. I know all things. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Sardis had a reputation of being fully alive. You looked at him from the outside. It looked like everything was great. Outwardly, it seemed everything was fine. But inwardly, God saw something that was different. He said, you're dying. It looks like you got a reputation of being alive, but you are dying. And the church of Sardis, I believe, is a picture of many that are in the church. It looks like everything is fine on the outside, but on the inside, we're dying. Some of us look like we're alive spiritually, but the reality is we're dying spiritually. We have lost our spiritual fire. We've lost our spiritual hunger. There's no more, there's no more passion for the things of God. We're dying. Some of us look like we're doing great physically, but in reality, we're about to collapse because we're so weary and exhausted with the grind of life. Come on. Am I talking to anybody out there? Some of us look like we're doing fine emotionally. We got a smile on our face and we, we, you know, we, we say hi and we smile and we laugh, but inside we're like zombies. We're emotional zombies. We're just walking around like empty shells. And then there's some of us, it seemed like we're the picture of mental health when the reality is mentally we're struggling, we're tormented, we're disillusioned, and we're getting clobbered by discouragement and depression. Is that true? Can that be true in the church of God? Yeah, absolutely. God was talking to the church of Sardis. And he says, man, this is what I see. And I think many of us, like the church in Sardis, we are looking good on the outside, but internally we're struggling big time. But how many of you know you can't have a great 2015 while you're dying on the inside? Because your inside is the core of your very being. And if you're dying on the inside, you will not be able to really enjoy, regardless of the success level financially or materially, you will not be able to enjoy that success unless you're whole on the inside. Let me ask you a question. If we did a mandatory self-diagnostic test today and we tested ourselves, how well do you think you would do on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst like you're dying, and 10 being the best, like you're full of life. How are you doing spiritually? Are you a one, dead? Are you a four, you, you're struggling to breathe spiritually? Are you a 10, you're full of spiritual life? What about physically? Are you about to collapse because you're so weary? You're so tired? Emotionally, are you okay? I mean, are you struggling big time? Are you struggling to just just have a happy day? Have joy for a moment. What about mentally? Are you getting bombarded and, and you're constantly in a battle in your mind? You know, listen. You know, it's the Bible says that the enemy is the deceiver and he deceives us. But you know what I think is worse 
than the enemy deceiving us is when we deceive ourselves. The Bible says we can deceive ourselves. And you see, the church of Sardis was going by the reputation they had, that they were fully alive. But God, who can see straight to the core of our being, said, man, it's not like they're saying you are. You are dying on the inside. So I think that it's really important that we just be honest with ourselves and we just be real. Amen? So here's the point. It can seem like you're doing just fine on the outside, but if internally you're dying, you need to know the God of revival. Amen? We need to know him. And that's why we need to talk about God revives. Because there are many people in the church that need God's revival. They need God to revive them. Amen? But listen, here's the good news. Regardless of what's dead or dying in your life today, God can bring you back to life. He can revive you back to life. That's the good news. Amen? Come on. That's great news. That is wonderful news today that you can be changed You can be transformed. Isaiah 57 and 15 says, For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly in spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. What does it mean to revive? It means to quicken. It means to cause, to recover, to bring back to life. So regardless of what area of your life right now that might seem dead, I want to encourage you today that nothing is bigger than God. Nothing is too great for God. It does not matter how many things you've been through, how long you've been through them, and how much is on your plate. God is bigger than your plate. God is bigger than whatever you've gone through because Jesus died on the cross. He said, I've come that you might not just have life, but you're going to have life and have it abundantly. I mean, that's enough life for somebody else. Amen. How many of you know that's good news today? So spiritually, if you're dead, hey, listen, you can get fired up for God again. Amen. You can get new fire in your spiritual bones. If you're emotionally broken, God can heal you emotionally. He can totally repair and restore you. If mentally the enemy's been beating you over the head and clobbering you, I want you to know that God can give you peace of mind. Amen. He can silence the voices of the adversary and he can give you peace in your life. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? Come on, if you're tired, listen, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I mean, God can give you a fresh new year. Anybody interested? Come on. Yes, amen. That's the God we serve. You don't have to be spiritually dead. You don't have to live a depleted life. You can be revived. You can live a refreshed. You can live a renewed. You can live a restored, redeemed kind of life. That's the God that we serve. It's not over till it's over. It doesn't matter what yesterday was. We're not looking in the rearview mirror. We're going to look through the windshield and we we know God has something in the front of us. Amen. He's got something more for us. Come on. I'm getting happy in here. God is a God of hope. Amen. Now listen, does anybody and everybody experience the reviving, transforming power of God? Does everybody? Let me help you out. No. No. I think those who experience the transforming power of God are those who are willing to trust and believe in God, depend on God. 
Amen? It's not just everybody. If You know, why serve God? Why get saved? Why give your life to him if everybody gets it? No, I tell you what. If you want to experience the reviving power of God, you got to learn to depend on him. God is a God who revives those who will depend and trust in him. Listen, God's willing to do it, but there's something on our side that needs to happen. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And that's what we need to talk about today. I think Isaiah gives us the secret to experiencing the reviving power of God in Isaiah 50, uh, 57 and verse 15, the verse we just read a while ago. Let's, let's look at it again. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell, I abide, I live on a high and holy place. And also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Now, God says through Isaiah, although I dwell on a high and holy place, a lofty place, I also dwell and revive two kinds of people. I revive and I dwell with and I revive those who have the, have a, the spirit of lowliness and I revive the heart of the contrite. That's who God touches. So I think it's really important that we figure out what does that mean? If God dwells with, abides in, and reaches out and touches those that are in this position, I think we've got to find out what it is so we can be candidates for his revival power that is being released on the earth today. Amen? Are y'all interested out there? Here are two secrets to experiencing God's reviving power. Number one, secret number one is to develop a broken and a contrite heart. A broken and a contrite heart. What does that mean? It means to be crushed or broken before God. That's what it means. It's being broken, true brokenness. Now, when you hear that, it's like, I don't want to be broken. I want to be healed. I want to be made whole. But you got to understand what it means. Listen, true brokenness is not an emotional state of sadness or gloominess. That's not brokenness. I mean, actually, you can feel broken when you're gloomy and you're sad. But that's not the brokenness Isaiah is talking about. True brokenness is not being hurt by tragic circumstances. Although tragic circumstances will break you, that's not the brokenness that Isaiah is talking about. True brokenness is not the feeling of defeat and rejection. Although you can feel very broken if you feel defeated and you feel rejected. That's not what Isaiah is talking about. True brokenness that Isaiah is talking about is when self-reliance and self-will has been broken off your heart because it's self-reliance and self-will that robs us of God's transforming power. True brokenness is when it's no longer about what I can do or what I want in life, but rather what God wants and what God can do with my life. See, it's a different focus. True brokenness is when I fully surrendered my rights to God. That's true brokenness. See, before we're broken, we just go on our own strength, our own self-will. We rely on our ability, and it robs us of the power of God. True brokenness is when my hard, crusty heart becomes softened by the tenderness of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 51 and 16 and 70, when David when David committed adultery and murdered Uriah 
And he was in that place of uh, the valley. This is what he said in Psalm 51, 16. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Did you catch that? God is not interested in our our sacrificial offerings. What God is interested in, according to the psalmist, he's he's interested in a broken and a contrite heart. God always responds and dwells with someone who develops a broken and a contrite heart before him. Someone who says, I can't do it on my own. I need you, God. God says, that's where I dwell. Come on. How many of you want God to dwell at your house? How many of you want God to live in your place? Amen. You want God's grace on your life. We need to develop a humble or a broken and contrite heart. Amen. The second secret to experiencing God's reviving power is to develop a humble spirit. And that's what the psalmist said. I mean, Isaiah said in Psalm 57, 15, God says, I revive the spirit of the lowly. What does it mean to have the spirit of the lowly? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It does not mean being bashful or shy. It can be misconstrued when you're bashful and shy that you're humble. No, not necessarily. You can be a proud, bashful, shy person. It doesn't mean that you're timid or fearful. The spirit of lowliness does not mean you're quiet or to yourself. It can just mean that you're so filled with insecurity that you cannot even just be around public or around social circles. You see... The spirit of lowliness does not mean we're shy or timid or we're bashful or or we're fearful. The spirit of the lowly simply means to be humbly dependent on God. That's what really what it means. See, if we're not dependent on God, we're not humble, no matter how humble we think we are. And how many of you know that's pride right there? Right? And so the spirit of lowliness is when you've learned to trust in and rely on God to solve your problems instead of relying on yourself or others to solve your problems. See, the spirit of lowliness is whenever you get to the point in life that you desperately depend on God's grace and his mercy to work out your life for you. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? You see, remember Jesus told that story about the two men that went to church? And he said there was one that was a, a church-going kind of guy and one that wasn't used to going to church. And the church-going guy says, God, I'm so glad to be here. And I'm so glad I'm not like that dude. I fast, I pray, I just keep all the law. I am self-righteous, God. Aren't you impressed? And then Jesus said, this other guy, he says, oh, God. I'm a sinner and he's beating his chest. I don't deserve your mercy. God, have mercy on me. And he comes humbly before God. And Jesus says, who do you think went home justified? See, it's not the self-righteous, prideful man. It's the one who says, God, I need your mercy and your grace. Come on, I'm talking to you this morning. Are you all hearing me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
You see, listen, if you want God's reviving power in your life, you have to develop a, a spirit of humility before God, which means, God, I need you. I depend on you. Amen. Why? The Lord dwells. He revives. He refreshes. He restores. He renews. He redeems those who have developed a humble spirit and a contrite heart before God. Not everybody experiences the power of his revival fire. It's only those. He says, I dwell. I don't dwell with the arrogant, proudful people. I don't dwell with those that's got it on their own. I got this. No, he says, I dwell with those that need me, that want me, that ask for me. Then realizes they need help. Amen. Come on. Have you realized you need help? Come on. Your spouse has. Come on. Your children have, right? Come on. How many of you know we all need help? Come on. We all need help. I mean, listen, man, God can just remove his hand and we're in trouble. Amen. So come on. James 4, 6 says this. God resists the proud. But it gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud. He stands against the proud. But he gives grace or empowers the humble. You know, listen, grace, grace is what we need for our lives to change, saints of God. And listen, we receive grace when we become a Christian, but that's not the, that's not the end of grace. There's more grace. How much grace would you like? Grace is the ability to do things that you can't do on your own. How many of you need grace? Grace is the ability to go further than you could ever go on your own. How many of you feel like you need grace? Grace is the ability to jump further than you could ever jump. Grace is the ability to have the kind of life that Jesus said he died for, the abundant life. Are you interested in grace? God opposes the proud. If you want grace you got to humble yourself before God. God gives grace to the humble. So then the question is, we get to choose. In 2015, are we going to live a prideful life, doing it on our own? Are we going to live a humble life and say, God, I need you. God, I need your hand of grace. You see, the choice is up to us. But this is what I know. God is a God who honors those who make him a priority. He always honors those who make him a priority. Jesus said it like this in Matthew six thirty three. but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, seek means to aggressively go after God. That's what seek means. If you lost your keys and you're trying to find them, get the picture. Everything comes flying, you know, it's just like, you know, door slamming. What's the matter? I lost my keys. We, we turn into a different person when we're seeking something. And God says, if you seek me, if you seek me, not second, not third, not fourth. If you seek me, what saints? First, first in the order of priority. The first thing you do is him. First thing you go after is him. You start your day with him. Come on. 
Whenever God blesses you, you give him your first. Amen. Come on. Whenever God gives you time and a life, you give him your first. And he says, if you give me your first, I'll bless your rest. Amen. Come on. If you want the rest to be blessed, come on, make a decision to give him your first. Amen. Come on, don't be prideful. Don't be arrogant and say, I can do this. Come on, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and put him first in your life. And he's going to honor your decision to make him a priority. God always honors and rewards the people that will put him first. Y'all believe that? So then, Joel chapter 1 and verse 14 says, Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. What does cry out to the Lord mean? It means seek God. Actively pursue Him. Don't wait for it to follow you. You go after it. Don't, allow, don't wait for it to hit you in the head. You make a decision like you're looking for those keys. I'm crying out. I'm going after God. Amen? And he tells Joel, listen, what was happening in the children of Israel's lives is everything was dying. The locusts were eating all their crops. The rain had stopped. Their crops couldn't live. Things are dying all around them. And they say, God, what are we going to do? And God says, I'll tell you what you do. Call the people together. Call a solemn assembly. Bring everybody to the altar and tell them fast. Humble yourself before God and see what I will do. Whenever you read the story, God turned it around. Amen. So listen, I feel like I'm giving the army marching orders today. This is my, my favorite sermon in all the year is today. And it's not because of the topic. It's because of the principle of if people will get what's being said today, not what I'm saying, the principle of the thing. If we will get what I'm saying today and we will put God as a priority in our life, there's no telling what God might do. There's no telling who might get healed, delivered, supernaturally changed, transformed. There's no telling what doors might open, what doors might close. There's no telling what this year might look like if God's people will take serious seeking after him. Come on, I'm giving it, I'm giving it my best today. Come on, I'm giving you, I'm trying my hardest today. I'm trying to stir you up because listen, some of you, come on. I, it's kind of like I need those medical paddles. Come on, let me, beep, come on, come on, God, get them. Wake them up, God. Get them to breathe again. Come on, God, get them out of spiritual slumberness because God, if they'll wake up, if they'll get on the ball, oh God, no telling what might happen. Come on. If you believe me, say amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's the most important sermon I preach all year. I tell you, after this, it's downhill. This is the most important sermon you will hear from this pulpit this year. Seek God and God will honor you and bless you. Quit using excuses why you can, why you shouldn't, why you won't. Excuses don't work in God's kingdom. He said, make a decision, put me first, and I will bless you. Amen. Oh, I feel like praying in the spirit right now. So beginning tonight at midnight, here's where it goes downhill. We're starting a time of prayer and fasting. Come on, I need a shout. 
<laughs> yeah, come on. I need a hallelujah. hallelujah. You see, listen, I hate fasting. I hate it. I love to eat. I'm a Cajun. But man, do I like the fruit of it. Man, do I like. Listen, I think what I need is another gumbo, but what I need is the presence of God. Come on, what I think I need is another business breakthrough, but what I really need, saints of God, is I need the presence of God. I need the touch of God on my life. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you the best thing that you can have in 2015 is the presence of God on your life. If God's presence is in your life, there's no telling where you could go, what you can do. Amen. So starting this Monday, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., we're going to be having prayer meetings right here at this altar. 6 a.m., 12 noon, and 6.30 p.m. Every day, Monday through Saturday, except Saturday it'll be 8 o'clock in the morning. Give you a little bit more wank time. But we're going to be doing that, okay? And I want to encourage you to consider fasting and praying and joining us. I mean, listen, we normally do 21 days. We're doing one week. But come on, one week. Come on, can you do it? Will you do it? Are you, is your schedule more important than God's? Come on, no, it's not. But listen, would it be ridiculous if you came to church every day for a whole week? I mean, listen, I'm saying that facetiously, but for some of us, that would be like, we became fanatical. We hit our head. We saw the light. You know what I'm saying? But listen, come on. If you want to get in shape, how many times do you go to the gym? Listen, if you want it bad enough, you're going to put the time and the effort into it. Listen, I'm not patty caking today. I'm giving it to you straight as I know how. Because I know what's going to happen for you. 6 a.m. Maybe you can make it here every 6 a.m. Maybe you can make it here every noon, amen? Maybe you can come here every night. I know work schedules and all that. But listen, I don't care if you offshore. You can spend time with God. It doesn't matter if you're out of state, out of country. You can spend time with God. If you go down to the depths of the sea, God is there. Come on, if you go in the space, God is there. He's on the rigs. He's in the oil field. He's in the medical field. He's everywhere all the time. And you can meet him if you really want to, Amen. So I encourage you to go after God. Amen. Fast. The devil's already telling you you can't. Your flesh is already screaming and say, why did you come today? Don't listen to him. He'll tell you you can't fast. You're too weak. You're taking medicine. But as I said a few weeks ago, listen, you can fast regardless. You know what I found is I can, I can play through lunch. It's not a big deal. I can work through lunch. It's not a big deal. If I decide to skip lunch because I'm fasting, my flesh has a fit. It gets weak on me. I'm holding on like, oh, 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 I need a wet towel. What's the matter? Oh, I missed the meal. But that's how the devil works. That's how our flesh works. Our flesh will deceive us to make us think we can't. Listen, we can give up Dr. Pepper or Coca-Cola or whatever it is. You know, we can, we can leave the sweets alone. We can eat salad and vegetables, which is what we should be eating on a regular basis. Amen. 
We can all fast. Will you? Will you consider it? Not for me. Don't do it for me. If you do it for me, you lost your reward. Don't seek me. Seek God. Don't do it for me. Do it for God. Do it because you're hungry for God. Do it because you want God to move in your life in a greater way. Amen. And listen, God will honor it. I'm telling you. We have resources back there on on how to fast, the Daniel's fast, and all that kind of stuff. Make yourself available to it. There's books, you know, the circle maker, fasting, you know. Man, it's there to encourage you. And if you'll do it, if you'll do it. Now, Todd, now if I fast and pray this week, I go to some prayer meetings and stuff. Does that mean my life is going to be great? No, no. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent lay hold of it by force. Until we go to heaven, it's going to be a battle all the way. But listen, some of us, we've been living on the defense long enough. We're just trying to keep the enemy from punching us. Come on, let's get on the offense and let's start throwing some shots at him. Come on, let's get on the offense spiritually. Amen. Come on. Let's get on the offense and start pursuing God. And the devil's power is going to be broken in a way like we've never experienced before. But listen, our biggest problem is not the devil. It's our flesh. It's our selfishness. It's our self-centeredness. And that's what needs to come down on the altar. Amen. And if we will, if we'll crucify him, God will move. Y'all believe this? All right. Now. Now listen, thank you, sir. Sunday, next Sunday, you know, I've been thinking about this. I mean, you know, listen, guys, come on. I mean, I wish I could just like, you know, put those paddles on you in a good way. You know what I mean? Get you fired up because I know, I know what God will do. But listen, we're going to pray Monday through Saturday and Sunday morning, you know, okay, so Sunday morning at the first service, we're going to be, Pastor Brandon, would you, would you do the honors of leading that prayer meeting? We're going to be 9 o'clock. We're going to be up there at 8.15, and we're going to pray till 8.30, pre-prayer service. Come on, y'all want God to move? Come on, you want God to move? Got to go after him, amen? And then the second service, service is at 11, so that would mean uh, 10.15 to 10.45, You know, 15 minutes before the service starts, service starts at 11. Yeah, so 10.15, 10.15 to 10.45, a half-hour prayer meeting, and that will give us 15 minutes to get ready for service and bring the prayer meeting in here. Amen. Amen. Wouldn't it be great if God just all of a sudden just started doing supernatural miracles in, in the house? Amen. Wouldn't it be great if, if God just breaks through your life and all of a sudden the cobwebs that you've been dealing with, the mental, the mental struggles you've been just all of a sudden, it's like, what happened? And emotionally, all of a sudden you've been depressed and discouraged and all of a sudden joy jumps on you and, and people can't take the smile off your face. Wouldn't that be great if God did something like that? Amen. Wouldn't it be great if God all of a sudden supernaturally blessed you with a promotion on your job and you work less and make more money? Wouldn't it be great if you, when you woke up in the morning, you actually feel refreshed and revitalized and you're ready to go to work? Come on. Come on. Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer. Hey, following the prayer meeting, 
the following week, on Monday, we're going to have three nights of conference. What does that mean? I don't know. We're going to get together and minister. We're going to seek after God. Monday night, the ladies are going to gather. The ladies are going to gather, and, and we're going to just, um, um, I asked Tiny to prepare a word, and we're just going to go for broke. Go for God. Amen? On Tuesday, the men are going to meet. All right, we've got one man in. All right, praise the Lord, man. We're two together. There I am. Do we have any ladies that are going to show up with Tanya? And I have one. All right, all right, all right. And then Wednesday night, Wednesday night, we're going to have a night of worship. And we're going to minister to the Lord. And what I know is that every time you minister to the Lord in worship, God always returns the favor and ministers to you. And so at the end of the night of worship on Wednesday night, anybody and everybody that wants to, we'll just have a bunch of altar workers up here and we're going to lay hands on everybody that wants to be laid hands on and we're going to pray for a fresh anointing to come upon you and the power of God to come on you. Amen. Now let me conclude. Y'all got one more minute? Two, three. How many of you give me one more minute? Okay, that's one, two, three, four. Listen, let me just encourage you with this. Ezekiel 37. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me and it brought brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones and he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones? Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them. And skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may... So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and they stood up on their feet. Come on, I'm talking about bones standing up on their feet. A vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, oh my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Amen. You get that picture. You get that picture. God revives. Come on. Some of you, you got things that are in the grave emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. But God's prophesying to you and say, dead bones live. 
Dead bones, live. Dead graves, give up those bones. Grave, give up those bones. These bones got to live. Not only did they live, they became a vast army. This is the army of God. You ready to go to war, army? You ready to go to war, army? I asked you, are you ready to go to war, army of the living God? Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you and I praise you for your grace that's being released over this house. I thank you, God, that you're encouraging and touching all of our hearts today. I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring us up and that, God, we're moving beyond where we've ever gone before. And, God, we're giving it our best today. Thank you, Lord. You're doing a miracle. That, Lord, you're raising up a great army in this house. God, I pray your grace upon us to fast and to pray and to seek your face. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for just honoring our commitment and our desire today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all ready? Amen. God bless you, army of God. If you need prayer, we'll be up here to pray. If not, 6 a.m. and get started. Amen. Looking forward to seeing you.